0: in exodus 16 and 13 god provided the people of israel with quail and manna they didn't have to work for it they just got up and surprised there it was just laid out for them god gave them meat and bread to supply all of their needs and the instruction was that each person was supposed to take Their daily bread. No less, but no more. Yet we know how human nature is. There's always someone among us that has to mess it up for everybody. So some in their nature took more than they had need of. And they thought to themselves, I'm going to take this and, and store it up. And they did this with a blatant disregard for the needs of others. But what happened was when they got up the next morning or even when they were ready to have their, their quail sandwich, they had their mouth set, you know, when you have your mouth set on something and you're ready. And then they got there and they began to smell like what is that in the refrigerator? What is that? in the kitchen stinking and they saw to their dismay that the food the surplus that they thought they had began to rot and it began to stink so it was of no good for themselves and for anybody else imagine how many people didn't get to eat because of the selfishness of a few. Even though they couldn't even eat it all, they said that we would rather have a surplus and waste it than to go without. Today we call these people many names, but a few are a couple are takers. We call them takers. We call them hoarders. They go and they take. But not only do they take, but they also store it up for for themselves. They said, I'm going to get my fair share and yours, too. But at whose expense? We saw this play out even this year with something seemingly so mundane, so Small and minute as toilet paper. In our individualistic, narcissistic culture, there are those of us who felt the need to go out and get all the paper. (laughs) Sister McGillicuddy, why do you have a closet full of toilet paper? You live alone. You ain't got no kids. You ain't got no man. So why do you need all the paper? I wonder how many tushies went unwiped because of sister McGillicuddy. Theologian Walter Brueggemann calls this phenomenon the myth of scarcity. This myth says there's not enough, so let's get everything. And this scarcity mindset heightens our feelings of fear and anxiety and stress, causing us not to think clearly, causing us to be frank, to go crazy. And we do everything within our power to get ours, taking and hoarding as much as we can for a rainy day but at whose expense furthermore the scarcity mindset makes us say i can't afford to give if i give i will have nothing left and in our stinginess we segregate ourselves the scarcity causes us to segregate ourselves from community differentiating us from the other you see it causes us to stop giving and when we stop giving we stop the flow go with me for a moment our text today says the heart regulates the hands and if we look at that From a somatic sense, we know that when the heart is not giving, not regulating enough blood into the hands, eventually the hand becomes numb. And eventually, long enough, the hand will die. And we have to amputate it. When The heart doesn't give. The hand doesn't live. And the whole body suffers. So if that happens in the physical body, how much does that that happen in the body of Christ? In the body of America, in the body of the world? For you see circulation, the flow is imperative. We see this even in our economy. During this pandemic, when everything was shut down, people stopped spending as much money. But in our capitalist society, we know that it is built on the flow of funds. So the government in all of its wisdom responded by sending out a stimulus. That would have been nice if they were doing this just because they thought that they loved us and that we needed this. They don't want anybody to go without. They want to see us thrive. Yet the reality of the matter is they didn't send it, send it to us for those purposes. They sent it to us so that we could not hoard it, but that we would spend it. And as we spent the, these funds, it would cause an increase in the flow of the economy. So that the system could maintain for another day. So as we look at all of this, we learn and we could take away three lessons. Number one, circulation is necessary for survival. Number two, the myth of scarcity stops circulation. And three, a stimulus can bring the system, the body, if you will, back to life. Brueggemann encourages encourages us. That the power of the future lies in the hands, not of those who believe in scarcity, but those who believe and those who trust God's abundance. When we tap into the abundance mindset, we begin to see that our resources don't come from us anyhow. Because if we are honest, with ourselves. We begin to realize whether you have a dollar in the bank or whether you have a million dollars in the right conditions. If the stock stock market crashes or if you lose your job, we all could be out on the streets. So we begin to realize that our trust is not in our abundance, but our trust is in the giver of abundance. So in our pericope, Paul calls the church to shift from the myth of scarcity to the power of giving. And this power of giving is a universal truth. The world doesn't agree on many things, but we agree on this. Every culture, every religion agrees that there is A power in giving now some call it the law of reciprocity some call it the law of giving and receiving some call it sowing and reaping some call it karma but whatever they call it everyone realizes that there's there's something special something unique there's something to this thing called giving As we already said, giving increases circulation. Many of us have heard that a closed fist with a closed fist. Nothing goes out. But nothing goes in either. Mm. You won't lose. But you miss out on receiving. But when we give, it opens our hands and it opens our channels to receive. But let me encourage you today and let me uh, tell you that we don't give to get. But when we give, we do get. In other words, we don't give just so that we could receive. Because that would be manipulation. We don't give just so God could bless us. When we realize that we are blessed to be a blessing and we give with no ulterior motive, we can trust and know that the good flow that we send out will come back in one form or another. So giving increases circulation. But secondly, Giving also connects us to community. Scarcity turns us away from the other, but giving turns us toward the other. Growing up, my mom would tell me, Go next door and get some butter. I called her, Miss Hale, and she said she's waiting for you, so go get some butter. Miss Hale, would call us. Can I borrow some sugar? He say, OK, sure. Miss Hale would say, what I owe you? Oh, don't worry about it. Got you. Because we were living in community. We weren't concerned about what we were going to get back. We were just meeting a need. We knew that eventually. Something would happen, something would come up and we would have a need. And we knew that Miss Hale didn't mind giving to us. Why? Because when you are a giver. People don't mind giving. If I was in this thing all by myself, then if i gave my all i wouldn't have anything left but we know that no person is an island when we move from the scarcity mindset to the mindset of abundance we begin to see that we got people that we are not in this thing all by ourselves we begin to see that my surplus matches your deficit and your surplus matches my deficit. And when we all stay connected, all of the needs of the community are met. And we can begin to see and experience the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. Theologian and ethicist Miles Wernst says it this way. He says the way toward reconciling. The way toward uniting with others goes beyond sharing in their confession and their words, but sharing with them materially, igniting God's material generosity by sharing those things. We think of as mine, in other words, put your money where your mouth is people aren't fed by a kind word they are fed through our giving in many churches and in even in this nation this time of year is known as the season of giving many people are giving and giving and giving out of their abundance at everyone village church this is also a season that we make our pledges for the next year. But perhaps you say, I don't have anything to give. Last week, Pastor Chan taught us about the woman who had two, two measly little mites. Today, a mite would be roughly the amount of one eighth, an eighth of a cent. So she had one fourth of a cent. She could have easily said, I ain't got it. But in her case, she gave all. So if she gave out of her little, we can too. She shows us that the size of the gift doesn't matter. It's about the size of the heart. But fast forward, our text for today does not even ask us to give all. Paul says, do what you can, not what you can't. This mindset is echoed in the words of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, as he says, earn all you can. Give all you can. Paul lets us know, though, that this isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, we are all co-laborers in the kingdom. We all have to do our part. Some. Have more and some have less. If you have more, give more. If you have less, give less. Realizing that when we all do our part, when we all do what we can, the needs of the community are met and there is nothing lacking. Nevertheless, it does not stop there. We know that giving is not limited to our treasures. The Lebanese American writer, poet and visual artist Khalil Gibran said you give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. That's so nice. I'll say it twice. You give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. As we look toward to 2021, how might you give not only of your possessions? But of yourself. Of your time and of your talents. At our givers gatherings these past weeks, Denise and Gail, Rich and Grant gave of themselves, offering their time and talents of candle making and beer making and cooking and vinyl collecting to us. And we were enriched by their gifts, by their sharing. So there is something that we all can give. Yet perhaps you were like I was. And the myth of scarcity has caused you to think. You don't have anything to give. Perhaps you felt insignificant in the myth that's causing you to hoard the gift that God has given you. But at whose expense? Someone out there needs to hear, to experience, to receive the gifts that are locked up. Deep down inside of you, I encourage you today to let it out. When we hoard our gifts, we aren't only hurting the community. We are hurting ourselves. Before coming here to Illinois, I was looking at applying to Ph.D. programs. And I was speaking to one of my former professors, Dr. Michael Lee Cook. And he asked me, why do you want to pursue a PhD? And I thought I had a good answer. I told him so that I could learn enough so that I can be able to speak truth to power. And I was patting myself on the back. I said, good job, Myron Chris, good job. But he said something that stuck with me even to today. He said. If you get into a PhD program or not, you already know enough. You are enough. I don't know where you are today, but perhaps you are feeling like my gifts. Aren't enough. I need to attain more in order to give. I need to learn more in order to give. If that's you, I speak into your life today. I tell you, I encourage you that you already know enough. You are enough. So stop hiding behind the, the fear and the myth of scarcity because there is someone else. Out there who needs you not only does your gift help others but it comes right back to you Proverbs 18 16 in the New Living Translation says giving a gift can open doors it gives access to important people you see some of us are holding back our own blessings. Because as we begin to give, then we will begin to see doors open up for us. As we begin to put things out into the universe and share even the little that we have. We can begin to see that it comes back to us. So I encourage you today to give what you can, not what you can't. We never know how our Gifts of our time, our talents and our treasures will impact ourselves and others. But we can rest assured and know that it does make a difference. Just as every vote counts, every gift counts. As we stated earlier, we do not give to receive. But when we give, we do receive. The Great Giver somehow some way, brings it back to us. and it reminds me of that old gospel song. You can't beat God's giving." It says this: "You can't beat God's giving." No matter how you try For just as sure As you are living And the Lord is in heaven On high The more you give God gives to you so keep on giving because it's really true that you can't beat God giving no matter how you try, no matter how given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. No matter how you try.